Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 174 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? Uh, probably the craziest ending to a winter transfer window that we've probably ever seen. Uh, almost single-handedly, Chelsea just spending more than everybody else combined in the world. Yeah. It's... Uh, it's comparable to like Abramovich coming in when he first did, doing all the business he did, and kudos to the board and Bowley and and uh, Igbali, all those guys just putting in the work, um, getting criticized for just buying whoever's out there and whatnot. But I would imagine if they're willing to spend all this money, maybe they envision a plan in the future with all these guys getting signed on long term deals. The 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 top one being the Enzo deal that got through at the 11th hour. So well, the majority of this show is going to be just reviewing every team in the Prem's business for the winner and I guess macro side of it just overall and how it's going to help them finish the year. And then uh, we're going to get into our predictions for this upcoming week of games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess <clears throat> we'll sort of just spin it off. I'll do one, you'll do one. Um, I want to say before we start, guys, please pardon my voice. I'm sick again somehow. I, I have no idea what it is. It's not COVID. I tested, uh, but I do feel like dog shit. So uh, pardon my voice. Uh, hopefully you guys will be able to just deal with it. Um, <clears throat> okay, we'll start with Arsenal. Um, three transfers in, a couple of guys out on loan. The players out on loan, Marquinhos, Cedric, uh, and Sambi Lakanga. Marquinhos to Norwich, uh, Albert Sambi Lakonga to Crystal Palace, and then Cedric Suarez to Fulham. So two within the league and then one down to the championship. Uh, I think all good good loans. Cedric Suarez, uh, that experiment is is certainly over. I'm sure he'll be off the books soon enough. But Sambi um, could really do well to learn in that Crystal Palace system. And then I think Marquinhos, he's very young. He's only 19, um, will do well at Norwich as well. In terms of permanent transfers, uh, we talked about Leandro Trossard, who we brought in from Brighton for 24 mil, uh, which was really cheap, pretty much a bargain for considering how uh, good he was for Brighton both this year and last. We brought in Jakub Kiwior, a center back, Polish, um, from Spezia Calcio, so a player in um, Serie A. We paid 25 mil for him. Bit of an overpay. His market value is, is lower than that. He's probably around 10 mil. And then the big deadline day or before deadline day uh, signing was Jorginho. Uh, Jorginho. However, I've, I've heard his name pronounced five different ways. Um, of course, a fantastic uh, season with Chelsea two years ago, the year they won the Champions League. He was unbelievable. He is 31. His market value is around 40 mil. Uh, and we got him in for, for just under 12 mil, which was uh, a bargain. And I think... Um, a, a player that, that we'll use, you know, I don't know the extent to which he'll be uh, an all-star, but he's certainly a player that can do a job. And I think Chelsea were just eager to get him off the books. So I'm, I'm interested to see how, how he plays under Arteta. Yeah. He'll be more of the rotation type of guy, uh, filling in that on any role. Obviously he's out with surgery and they loaned out the other one in Lokonga. So I think he comes in with a pedigree of being a champion. You mentioned the 
the Champions League. He's also won it at the international level with the Euros. So he comes in with a lot of experience. It's an 18-month deal. So finishing out this year, if he does well, you guys keep him around for another year. If not, you can move him on from there. But it fills in the depth in that position with the experience you guys need in case of Partey going down or Xhaka in those roles. And then the other two guys, I think overall, you guys picked people that filled the gaps that maybe you don't have as much depth in or just pick up the competition level, getting a guy like Trossard on a, a on a bargain of a deal, comes in challenging the current starters, pushing them to their max, and also having that, that back... Uh, that that backseat plan of in case anything happens, Trossard can do a decent job. So I think they were smart with their spending, didn't overdo it, and uh, just keeping it in the in the in the plan and in in the vision of it. Arteta and I do in their project they're trying to build. Yep. Uh, next we have Aston Villa. They had one of the more quieter uh, approaches to the window. Didn't spend too much. Only brought in two players, central striker uh, Juan Duran, Duran center, mm-hmm. center forward from Chicago in the MLS, for a, a massive £16 million. Pounds. Uh, that's a big deal for an MLS export, uh, bigger than Aronson, both Aronsons, um, and a lot of the previous guys too, Ngaga, Salonina, more recently to Chelsea. So that's a big statement there for him. And then they also bring in Alex Moreno, who's already been playing in a handful of matches in multiple competitions and he's already showing that he can do a reasonable job now that Denis out the the major export they had was Danny Ings going to West Ham for 12 million that's reasonable uh that position up front was already pretty much set with Bailey and Watkins now uh they bring in a youngster in Durant who's 19 compared to Ings at 30 who's heavily injury prone so I think that's a good swap there uh, and other than that, they did a lot of loans to guys that weren't really ever going to get in the team. Youngster Cameron Archer goes to the championship with Middlesbrough to get some experience. And, and other guys, too, that weren't really seeing any time as well. So I think overall, not too bad. It fits what what they're trying to do in the league. Just get through the year to the next window for, for Unai to get to the summer and probably spend a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I think that these are all good trades, uh, or not trades, but transfers. Alex Moreno is a good player. Uh, he's 29. He's got a bit of experience. He played at Betis for, for quite some time. Uh, Yon Duran, I think, is that's a dice roll for sure. MLS players are always a dice roll. I think it's it's very rare that they, they pan out the way that you want. Um, he is only 19, so we'll see yeah, what sort of uh, impact he makes out of Villa. They do have two decent center backs already um in mings and who's the other center back forgetting his name Ponza, and then obviously yeah, they, have, Kansa, they have diego carlos who tore his acl at the beginning of the year so right, they have three so, decent guys yeah and diego carlos will be back uh probably not even towards the end of the season but but certainly next and then bertrand Traore was he was a chelsea player for for a considerable amount of time in and out coming in from turkey um, a bit of pace there on the wing for them, an, an injection of pace. I don't think that's a terrible business either. They only spend thirty mil. Uh, let a couple of guys out on loan. I, you know, I don't, I don't think this is a a anything to write home about uh, for Aston Villa, but they are in better shape now in the league. Uh, and I think just to 
shore up some of those positions of need, uh, that this was a decent window for them. All right, let's move on to Bournemouth. Now, this is going to be one of those ones where a lot of the players that we mentioned you're you're not have ever going to heard about. Uh, you're not ever going to have heard about any of these guys. Uh, maybe with the exclusion of Darren Randolph, but <clears throat> they bring in uh, Ilya Zabarny, a center back, twenty years old from Dynamo Kiev. We've seen some of these Ukrainian players starting to exit. Uh, Ukraine, a lot of it, even though the the matches be, the matches are being played in Poland right now, um, in in that league, uh, players are leaving the the Ukrainian clubs. We saw Mudrik, we see Zabarny here. Um, he's coming in from Kiev at twenty two mil, a good signing for Bournemouth. They need pretty much players in every single position just because of how shit they've been in the league. We'll have to see how that one pans out. They bring in Dango Otara from FC Lorient. Uh, for 23 mil as well. Not super familiar with him, but it seems like the young players are sort of what they um, were looking for here. Um, they brought in Antoine Semenyo, a center forward uh, from Bristol City, paid 11 mil for him. So this is considerable. It's adding up. They've, you know, at this point, those three transfers spent 56 mil. Uh, they bring in Matthias Vigna. Though that is a name that some people will be familiar with from Roma. The loan fee, 750k there. They get Darren Randolph uh, on a free from West Ham. I think that's good business. Uh, Hamed Junior Traore, an attacking midfielder from the Ivory Coast. Um, he's on loan from Sassuolo. His market value is 22 mil. He's a decent player. I've I've, I've read a little bit about him before we started. Um, we'll have to see how that plays into uh, AFC Bournemouth's system. And then Gavin Kilkenny, a central midfielder who plays at Stoke, he's in on loan as well till uh, next January. <clears throat> Some of the guys that they sent out on loan, James Hill, um, Emiliano Marcondas, Jamal Lowe, Will Dennis, they sent Kilcone, uh, Kilkenny back out on loan uh, to Charleston. Ben Pearson and Siriki Dembele, both gone on loan as well. So. They brought in a couple of players that are going to be fighting for first-time minutes. I don't know necessarily how much time they will get, but Bournemouth are not in a position right now to just sit on their heels. They have to do something. So I guess it's better to see clubs spending money than than not. Yeah, and it's the two major areas that they need. They're the, they've given up the most goals in the league now. The uh, Zabarni coming in is big. They've had a lot of problems in that back line with uh, people from the summer window still not getting their feet on the ground and running and then also guys from the championships just can't seem to keep up with the pace a bit so bringing in a young guy like that who can adapt to the league quickly will be a boost and then up front with Solanke not being around for multiple games we've seen the impact it has without him and also Marcus Tavernier out on the right so they're bringing these guys from from league on the championship who have been productive and we'll see if the, that that injection of pace can can affect other teams going forward. So, I think this is a last ditch to get them out of there. They're they're within reason to fight in and get out of that zone due to everybody else being poor in the area. But it's it's a this is their last hail mary. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, bring us into Brentford. This is one that you know is is really going to matter. <clears throat> Yeah, and Brentford, just like Villa, I talked about this one was pretty quiet. Just only the one signing 
and uh, Kevin Chad from from Freiburg. They brought him in right winger, 21 years old, a million pound load fee for the year, um, and that was really it. He he even hasn't really been implemented that much. Even some of their summer signings, Keen Lewis Potter hasn't. I think he's the club record signing fee for like a little around 20 mil, a little mm-hmm. over that, and. Even he hasn't really gotten time, and that's due to the players from last year really getting things going. We know Ben Mee from the summer has been an absolutely massive part to their team and success. And the only major outgoing was uh, Shurji Kanos from last year, right winger 25. He got loaned out to Olympiacos in Greece. And yeah, I mean, they're overachieving this year. They're in eighth currently. They've only lost four games out of 20 overall. And they're doing a fantastic job with what they have. We still have to wait and see with what happens with the Tony stuff, with the the gambling. It seems like it's getting further and further kicked down the road. The yeah. cans getting kicked down. And when that officially gets taken care of, whenever that may be, if he's out, they haven't done any bit of business to concern me in thinking he's going to get in trouble. Because we would have seen them go for a striker, wouldn't you think? Yeah, that's that's what it like this transfer window. That's what I was thinking. Like they would they would try and bring in a striker, whether it be somebody that's older and can fill that role with just the experience that they have, or somebody young just to to try out. I thought maybe they would do that, and they haven't. So what that's telling me, like as you mentioned, is um, the FA is not, you know, they're they're not pursuing it right now. Maybe they're they're gathering uh, information to present a stronger case against him, but I don't. I feel like we would have word about what's going on there at this point already, if that was going to be the case. So I don't know. Uh, I I really yeah. don't. You would expect him to serve some uh, at least. I don't know. That that's a lot. I would love to get Calvin Ridley's take on this. Yeah, I know. And you saw he had to sit out an entire season, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to think the last time. I think the last time we had a band like this was probably Trippier. Yeah, he was right? out for multiple weeks. That was yeah, but it wasn't like it wasn't that much time. It's not like he had to sit out an entire season. And it's different. It's so different because the leagues that these guys play in, the FA can ban him and he can still play like let's say the FA ban him next year. He could probably still play in Europe if they get a European spot because it's two different governing bodies. And Correct. Uh, it's just, it's very, very interesting, that entire situation. I've tried my best to do research on it, but there is just not a, a ton of information that's out there. The FA has been keeping it very quiet. Brentford's been quiet. We haven't seen a ton from Ivan Tony's camp himself, so I have no idea. Um, but from what we saw in, in transfer moves here and in loans and things like that, it doesn't seem like they're all that worried about it. So I guess we, we can't really blame them. Yeah, well, it's setting a precedent going forward now yeah. if anything else down the line happens similar to this. So it'll have to be compared to this, however this this ends up uh, playing out. That's right. <clears throat> okay. Let's move on to Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, before we get into this, we should say Moises Caicedo uh, was slated to leave the club, has not left the club at the end of the window. Chelsea was in. Arsenal was in. No surprise there. They've been battling for transfers all season long at this point. Um, the loan fee was up to about 90 mil, uh, which is unbelievable, in my opinion, for a player like Moises Caicedo. I think he is a, a good player, a very, very good player. Could do a job in both midfields, but 90 mil is is a lot. 
and I don't know if he was worth that. So I'm I'm happy that that Arsenal didn't splash all that cash on him. There is an issue now with him in the Brentford locker, or not Brentford, the Brighton locker room. Deserby told him, you know, go go away until you you figure out the loan deal. He wanted to make Brighton some money with a transfer, but it didn't happen. So that is something to keep your eye on. In terms of players that actually did come in and leave, we had Facundo Buonate, uh, an 18-year-old midfielder, Argentinian midfielder, coming in from Rosario. Market value at 9 mil. They paid 6. Could be good business. We'll see. He is young. Uh, Yassine Ayari, a central midfielder, coming in from AIK in Sweden. That was a $4 million deal as well. And then <clears throat> Aaron Connolly and Shane Duffy, um, both coming back from, from their loans. Those guys are now available for selection as well. In terms of players, oh no, I'm sorry. Shane Duffy and Aaron Connolly were both loaned out again after that. Shane Duffy to Fulham and Aaron Connolly to Hull City. And then the one player they lost was Trussard, which is a big loss, but a pretty quiet window for a Brighton team that's in a good spot right now. I think the, the Shane, Duffy, Shane Duffy move was made permanent. He was on oh, okay. the beginning of the year. I see. Due to the Premier League's rules, you can only have two first-team players uh, within the league loaned to you. Okay. So Fulham had Duffy and Dan James, and to get in Cedric Suarez, they had to make one of those previous two permanent, so they made Duffy's to fill in and regulated rules. So, But I think with the signing of that Ayari from Sweden, I, th- I felt... Last week when they did that, I felt like that was an indication that the Caicedo thing was going. Because we know that that's yeah. around the price range that Brighton get these young players for. We know Caicedo only joined last year. So I think with his contract being fresh and a lot of it left, that's why the price was that high. And I think that also goes with how Chelsea has been manipulating the market with how much money they're willing to put down on these players. And they... They price out a lot of other people to even talk to the clubs. So I don't know if that's going to be a long-term effect. I don't think any club in the world can spend like Chelsea has done in the last 12 months. That's just not, does not make sense in a business sense. You're not going to make all that money back in a, in a reasonable amount of time to spend all that again. But for Brighton's sake... We know the rise of Matoma. Solly March has been stepping up. Evan Ferguson, 18 years old, has done a great job. So they didn't have to bring in too many people just to fill in a little bit of gaps, just in case they want to make a statement and push on in one of these European spots come the end of the year. And I think the Trossard one being the major one, I think they'll be just fine. Yeah. All right. Um, You're up next with Chelsea, right? Yeah, this one's going to take a while. Yeah, it's um, a long one for sure. So in this window alone, Chelsea spent £330 million in total. Or is that euros? That mark, I get those confused. That's euros. Yeah, so €330 million. Euros, that is more than they spent in the summer. But in the two windows total, Todd Bowley's first two windows, he has spent a total of €611 million. Euros. Going out, and they've only brought in 67, so a total net loss of 543 million euros. Fucking and ungodly. I think they brought in around 20 players. Obviously, a lot of people leaving, mostly on loans and freeze, but that's a mass exodus. 
in this market or in this window alone. We brought in nine players, I think that is, or sorry, ten. Yeah, ten players, and we only lost. We only let out one, two, if you want to count Malagusta going back out to Lyon for the rest of the year on loan. Um, the first major one, obviously, Enzo Fernandez, twenty-two year old center mid, Benfica product, only six months ago won the World Cup with Argentina, won the Young Player uh, of the Tournament Award. He was only brought into Benfica last summer for around 10, 12 million euros, and they made a 10% or 10 times profit on him now. Um, The details of the deal, obviously they had to hit the release clause, Chelsea did, and they did, but they finessed it in a way that they made it in installments. So they kind of found a loophole there. Instead of paying all of that up front and having F- FFP uh, breaches, the fee I think they upfront paid was 34 million euros. And now they have to make five installments of around 17 mil every year. And we signed him till 2031. So he's here for eight years on paper. That's going to be really hard to get these players sent out if they have problems three years down the line because they'll still have five years left on their deal. So this puts the club in a good situation with leverage over these players to stick around and have to make it work. They're all really young, so we're going to develop them into something, hopefully. Uh, this overshadowed the the Mikhailo Mujic deal, which happened a few weeks ago. 22-year-old Ukrainian winger from Shakhtar brought him in for 70 uh, Benoit Badia-Shield, 21-year-old center back from Monaco, 38. Noni Murieke, 20-year-old English winger from PSV. We're still probably going to see some of him, hopefully against Fulham, potentially. Uh, Malagusta, I already said, 30 million euro. Right back from Lyon, brings in some competition with Reese James come next year. Also, that probably indicates uh, Aspi leaving in the summer. Uh, Andre Santos, 18-year-old center mid from Brazil came from Vasco da Gama. He's been playing with the U20 Brazil team in an international play and is, is captaining the side, so that's good signs there. Uh, David Datrofofana brought him in from Mold, 12 mil. Uh, was was weird not to see him go out on loan for the rest of the year. He's going to get very few minutes, if any. Xiao Felix, obviously, loaned for the rest of the year. I think he probably wants to stay here. He might be fed up with Atleti, so... We'll have to wait for the summer for that one to develop. And then uh, uh, Gaga Slomanina coming in now from Chicago Fire full-time. So uh, and the only outgoing, as you already mentioned, Jorginho going to Arsenal. He only had six months left on his deal, and it didn't seem like there was going to be any negotiations with him. Um, and then, obviously, Malagusto left for the rest of the season. So problem with this being we cannot register all these players for every competition. That's There's right. only... Th- there's only three available spots on our Champions League roster. And I'm not even sure if all these guys can play in the Prem either. So Graham Potter's got this and his staff have some decisions to make in the next upcoming weeks uh, before the Champions League starts against Dortmund. And to, depending on all these injuries, Reese James, Ben Chowell coming back, Sterling coming back in this month. We're going to have a full crop team to pick from. And it's going to, it's a good problem to have as a manager, but Still, these guys all have high price tags on them and also carry big egos, some of them. Yeah, I mean, 
there's all that there's not all that much I can say about this other than if you throw all this shit at the wall, like some of it is bound to stick. Um <laughs> this is this is the most psychotic way to deal with with incoming transfers that I've ever seen. It's never been done. It's these no. people coming in, these American owners come in from owning other sports teams that have on different models with how they they see success and obviously with you get young baseball players in on these 10 year deals to develop them and turn into something that's similar here. They, they didn't buy anybody above the age of 23. I know it is. It's the right way to do it in terms of like, if you're going to buy players and pay them, like let it be a younger player for sure. Um, But I, I I can't help but feel that uh, an American owner like bully who's signing off on the deals that they're paying Mookie Betts and Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman, like these enormous contracts, right. For the Dodgers, they see a player like Enzo Fernandez. He's like, Oh, 120 mil. That's cheap. I'm, you know, I'm petting, I'm paying Freddie Freeman 500 over five years. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? It, It is perspective, but at the same time, like for us who, who know this sport, it's fucking crazy. It's so yeah. insane to do. And you look at what some of the fees are. Like, you look at the fee for Holland. You look at the fee for Nunez. Like, it doesn't even compare. And I know yeah. Enzo Fernandez just won a World Cup. I know that he was integral in that that entire, you know, endeavor. But fucking hell, 121 mil for, for a player from Benfica. That's, that's a lot, man. And I, I do hope that Enzo Fernandez has a great career in the Prem, but... We've seen uh, we've seen deals like this go through before, and then it just doesn't work out. So I don't know. Uh, good on Chelsea, I guess. Uh, thanks for for Jorginho for for eleven mil. I I appreciate that. But yeah, this is uh, this is a crazy one for sure. What a what a window this was to watch. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say, it also puts questions in my mind with current players now. That, that have been there under Tuchel. They, you've seen the ownership is buying all these players, uh, a full 18-man roster on their own in the new players, and you're being you're seeing that they're supporting the coach and the manager over the players now. They're sticking with him. So if you're not in this, if you're not willing to put in the work, then they're more than welcome for you to walk out the door if you're not buying in. So I see that in Mount, Havertz, uh, Sterling might be in there potentially. Um, it's it's crazy. There's just so many people. We have to get rid of some people now because we can't get everybody registered to play in all of our games. Yeah, no way. It's just not going to happen. <clears throat> okay. Um, let's move on to Everton. There's not a lot to talk about here because they just... Oh, I'm sorry. I missed Palace. Um, okay. Not a lot to talk about here either. They bring in Noiru Ahamada from uh, a French midfielder from Stuttgart. He is only 20 years old. His market value at six mil. They pay 12. Uh, Sambi Lakonga comes in, a Belgian midfielder for Arsenal. He's going to be there uh, on loan <clears throat> for them. Luke Plange, a center forward um, from RWDM Molenbeek. I believe they play in um, the Belgian second tier. So that's uh, they had to dig deep for that one. Center forward, twenty years old. Bring him in for six hundred k, or he's he's in on loan. His market value is around six hundred k. I don't know about that one, but we'll see. Um, Jack Butland goes uh, to Manchester United on loan. Malcolm Ibuye 
goes to Hull City on loan, and then Luke Plange, they loaned him uh, back out to Lincoln City. So he's making a move from the Belgian second tier to the English second tier. It's certainly a change, and we'll see how he looks there. But er, I don't even think Lincoln's in the second tier. They might be in the third tier. I think they're a League 2 side. They're League 1, so they're third tier. Third tier, wow, interesting. So they spend $12 million pretty much just on that Amada guy, um, and it's a pretty quiet window for Palace. Yeah, the main focus they needed to, to bolster was the center mid-roll. They've been dealing with Will Hughes in there, who every game he plays, he levels somebody out and gets a card. He's not physically capable of keeping up with the pace. Also, they have Mikolenko in there, who is far past his prime. So bringing in two young young players in there, one from Arsenal, and getting another guy a permanent uh, just builds out the, the physicality they need in there to help keep up with Ducore, who they brought in the summer, who's done a fantastic job. So I think Palace just doing what they can to stay where they are in the league. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next, like you were getting to Everton. I think they had the worst window of the winner. Everybody they wanted didn't come. Everybody else that they wanted went somewhere else. It's crazy for Sean Dyche, who officially now we could say is the manager. Um, we, were, we were talking about Bielsa or other candidates, but Sean Dyche is coming in with no reinforcements and even more people left. So we already mentioned Ellis Sims gets promoted to the first team from the U21s. Um, they get Nkunku back on loan from Cardiff, but they loaned him out again to Saint-Étienne. Um, and the major major outgoing was Anthony Gordon leaves for 45 mil to Newcastle, who is only going to be a squad player there now. Uh, Rondon, they let go on a free. That was a bad experiment from the start. And they let go of Eldin Yakubovich, 38-year-old goalkeeper. He goes to LAFC. Um, bunch of scumbags out there, but yeah, I mean that that this team is set to go down, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've it's so I, I've I've gained know. a um, I apparently I'm an Everton fan. That's that's what I'm told really? um, from some of my other friends. Yeah, because they said it's better for the league if they stay up last year, just because they've never been relegated. Because <laughs> they've never been relegated. You don't want to see that, right? Do you want to see really, that? I think the city of Liverpool would burn down. So do I. I don't need to see that. Unless they're going to burn down Anfield. And then we oh, can talk God. about it. Then we can talk about it. Civil War. Yeah, that's fine. But, yeah, this is not good, man. They lose Anthony Gordon, who at, at one point last season looked like he was going to be their talisman player moving into this season. And now he's gone. He went to Newcastle. Filled Talks up him the, going to Chelsea at the beginning of the year. I know. Filled up the Porsche, went down to, to Newcastle-upon-Tyne, and signed a contract. So, who knows? I mean, this is not good. They're they're letting Salomon Rondon leave, which was good. He stinks. Uh, and Kuku and Jakub, Jakubovic, uh, both on freeze out there as well. So, uh, who knows, man? This is, this is bad. They needed to bring somebody in, and they just didn't. Is there any chance or is there any belief you have behind Sean Dyche? Yeah. Long time at Burnley. We're always one of the worst scoring teams, but came down to his system. 
the structure worked well. He's had he has guys in this team that have worked with him before, in Tarkowski and Dwight McNeil, yep. guys that are really familiar with him. So I think that can help get the team um, started on the front foot with how they want to build. But we already mentioned last week. I mean, this weekend they play Arsenal. Is there any harder op- uh, opposition to go against in your first game as manager? No, I think they could go in there and get banged out 6-0, but I also think Sean Dyche could put in the most thuggish people you can imagine and just say, go break legs. Uh, that's kind of how he is as a manager. Defensively, we know he's very good. He has a great scheme. Um, but it's going to be tough to to score goals, and that's the issue they were having with Frank as well, is they just weren't scoring, so... Uh, I have no idea. I, I, I think there's a chance that Everton stay up. You have to look at the bottom of the table just because it is so congested. Yeah. Leicester, Leeds, and West Ham are all on 18 points. Wolves are on 17. So a win and then a fumble from another team puts Everton out of the drop. And there is time left to play in the season. It's not like it's over, but they do. They need a few wins. Like You're not going to get safety by drawing, in my opinion. And and they just they need to get a couple of wins here. They need to knock another team off. I don't really think it's going to happen this weekend against Arsenal, but um, that's the only way that we're going to see this team, you know, achieve safety. Yeah, the players need to visibly see that they can get results to know going forward we we're still in this. Yeah. Um. Okay, Fulham up next. Yes. All right. <clears throat> so for Fulham, uh, another pretty quiet window here. Um, they acquire Shane Duffy because his contract was terminated. There's no fee, uh, there. So I'm sure they're just paying his wages. Sasa Lukic, a 26 year old Serbian midfielder, uh, coming in from Torino, his market value, just around 13 mil. They buy him for 9.1. They bring in Cedric Suarez, uh, the loan deal from Arsenal. Tyrese Francois coming in on loan as well. And then, Anthony Knockart coming in uh, on loan. <clears throat> they let Lockhart go back. They let uh, Nathaniel Chaloba go to West Brom. Shane Duffy. Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Never mind. We already talked about Duffy. And then Josh Anoma. Uh, they let him out as well. So, I don't know. This is quiet. This was another quiet window. Um, Fulham don't have a ton of money to spend. They only uh, try and shore up that midfield a little bit with Lukic. And, I, I mean, they're in seventh right now on 31 points level with Brighton. It's interesting because you would think maybe they would try and do something, but I guess their system is so good right now. There's doesn't doesn't make a ton of sense to change things that much. Yeah, the Cedric Suarez deal has been going around for a long time this season, and I'm confused because they already have Kenny Tete. They brought in Kevin Mbabu in the summer from Wolfsburg, and now they bring in him for the rest of the year. So they have three guys there that won't all get playing time. Kenny Tete is the out-and-out first-team guy, so I don't know what value he brings into this team. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if Marco Silva's worked with him in the past, but that one's confusing to me, and then the Lukic one, they bring in that depth for the Central position there in case Reed is having issues. We know Paulinha has done a fantastic job this year. They brought him in the summer. So they did most of their business in the summer, and it's showing in the performances they've had. So I don't think they've, they, as a board, they've seen that they see that they need to have a massive, expensive type of window to stay where they are. I think they'd be happy if they finished even 13th because they're just overachieving. I don't know if. 
realistically, if you're them, would you want to finish in a European position going into your <laughs> second season in the league and having even more fixture congestion? Uh, I'm not sure they're ready for that. Uh, I'm really not. This is what I don't know happens. If the squad's deep enough. This is what happens. Like you saw it with Leicester, right? Then you see it with West yeah. Ham last season. It it fucking it it batters your team. And if you don't have a ton of of depth in the first place, it's really really hard to focus and get things done in both leagues. So I'm kind of with you. We know they're not going to tank out of the European spots. Like that just doesn't happen. But it does make things harder. And if you have a quiet window like they did, it's it's even more hard. So this is this is a weird one for sure. I did think Fulham would try and spend a little bit more money just because of how well they've been playing. Uh, but but they don't. They they try and just stick to their guns. Like I guess. Yeah, uh, moving on to a team that needed to make a bit more moves. We go to Leeds. Mm-hmm. We, we already talked about they brought in Jorginho Ruter from Hoffenheim, striker there, 20 years old, young prospect. And then they bring in Maximilian Wabber, center back from RB Leipzig. Uh, Jesse has previously worked with these guys uh, for him before. Uh, and then the latest one being Weston McKinney from Juventus. We know Juventus is having... A crisis there with the deduction of points killing them in this year's league uh and they're gonna have a fire so probably in the summer so they loan him in for the remainder of the year on a 1.25 million euro fee and with a future buyout clause of 40 million dollars i think it is around that 34 million euros or pounds so a reasonable fee going forward if it's successful it, it'll be worth the money and if not, they can just say they can just return him come the end of the year and they, they don't lose much. So it fits Jesse's system. It adds to the American market in for Leeds to grow their brand and also build some chemistry. Obviously, he's happy coming to work with Adams and Aronson, his international teammates, as well as a American coach that can understand him and where he comes from and it's easy to work with, so he'll integrate with the squad well. Uh, outgoings, Diego Laurent, uh, or Lorente, uh, has been a mainstay center back the past few seasons with them, but he goes out on loan to Roma for the rest of the year with Mourinho. Uh, Mateus Click, longtime legend of the club, leaves on a free to DC United to join Wayne Rooney. Uh, youngster Cody Drama, or Drama, right back goes to Luton, and Joe Gerhardt who goes to Sunderland for the rest of the year. We've seen him in and out of the first team sometimes. Had a had a moment last year getting a winner against Norwich, I think. So right. <clears throat> it's it's a reasonable reasonable players coming in. They're all young, all under 24 years old. Adding to that high energy, high tempo, very physical type of team that goes at you the whole 90 minutes. And similar to when we're talking about Bournemouth Everton, and uh, all these types of clubs, they're right in there in the mix. Leeds have been really struggling in the league. They haven't won since November, I believe. They only have four wins this year. A lot of losses, not the best defensively. But I think with these additions, they can help them get some momentum going. And it all starts this weekend against Nottingham Forest. It's a must-win game, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't I mean, I don't have a ton to say about, about these. Uh, McKinney, I think, is a good... Good uh, loan. They're going to wind up buying him for sure. Uh, I've seen a bit on that Jorginho Rudder kid. 
people have a lot of really nice things to say about him, so I'll be curious to see how he fits into this team. They need somebody to replace Bamford because he's just not that guy, um, and he's always injured. So this could have this could prove to be a really really good uh, winter window for Leeds. They need somebody to replace uh, <clears throat> Click as well. That you know, sort of going to be McKinney's role, I think. Um, and then Wilbur, you know, bringing in a fresh young center back, I think is, is a good move as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, well, they were talks of Jack Harrison leaving yeah, to Leicester and, and Newcastle, but they were able to keep him. So, and I think they got him to sign a new contract as well. So that's a big um, player to keep. For sure. Uh, okay. Leicester city, quiet window, bringing in two players, Harry Sutar, uh, a center back from Stroke from Stoke. They pay seventeen million for him, even though he's valued at six. And then they pay fourteen for Victor Christensen, a twenty-year-old left back. Uh, he's Danish from FC Copenhagen, so pretty much the best team in Denmark. They're bringing that left back in. That'll could probably be a good move there. Um, Tete coming in from uh, Shakhtar Donetsk. He is a right winger. Uh, he's Brazilian. A lot of Brazilians play in that Ukrainian league for some reason or another. That could be an interesting one. Uh, certainly, his loan, I don't know when it ends, but it looks like they're going to have him for at least the rest of the season, probably until next winter. Uh, he's only 22. That, that could prove to be uh, an effective signing. And then George Hurst, um, from <clears throat> uh, he comes back in from Blackburn and then goes right back out to Ipswich. Uh, Iose Perez gone. Uh, he is loaned out to Real Betis and then Mark Albrighton loaned to West Brom. That was an interesting one. I didn't necessarily see that coming, but he is 33. He is aging. Uh, Lester, a couple of good moves here. Uh, guys that we're probably going to see in the first team now just because of how poor they've been. I think Tete is the one that I have my eye on uh, the most. Yeah, he... He was loaned out at the beginning of last year from Shakhtar to Lyon in the French yep. League. He played in 17 games in the league, scored six, got three assists, um, came back at the end of this window, and immediately goes back out on loan now to Leicester. I think that's a bit of a difference maker they can have in that team. It gives them somebody similar to that Mars archetype, somebody that you have no idea what's going to do on the ball, very creative very fast going at people, uh, high skill level. So I think that's something different they can add, especially on that right wing where they really haven't had anybody. We know they have Harvey Barnes on the left. They let go of Mark Albrighton, as you mentioned, to West Brom. Uh, that means Jamie Vardy is the last player on this Leicester team that was a part of that uh, Premier League winning squad. Um, sad to see there. But uh, the the two guys they bought in, as you mentioned, the two defenders is where they need to improve. That back line is very bad. It's the reason they're where they are, and they need to lock it down. We know they have Daniel Marte, who is naturally a holding midfielder, has been playing center back for a long time now because Johnny Evans has never been fully fit for an extended period of time. Uh, Suyanshu, the player they brought in a few seasons ago, has not worked out. He's going to leave at the end of the year, probably. So, bringing in a guy in Suter, who I believe played in the World Cup this year, and they got to the round of 16 and lost Argentina, of course, but he had a reasonable time there. And then you mentioned the young Danishman who 
can add some depth there. That left back position is wide open. We know Ryan Bertrand they brought in has never been fully fit. Um, and they currently have Luke Thomas, who's a young Englishman that gives some competition with him. So I think these are areas they needed to strengthen and we'll have to wait and see the first couple games to see if they gel or not, because Leicester definitely deserved to be a little bit higher on the table. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. Uh, Up next for you, this is, this one's like nothing happened. Yeah. And it's quite alarming because. It's Liverpool we're talking about. The only person they brought in this window is Cody Gakpo. Reese Wilson comes back on loan from Blackpool. Uh, he didn't get re-sent out, so we'll see if they use him at all because we know Konate picked up a knee injury. He'll be out for the next two to three weeks. We know Van Dyke's out, so there's an open position there next to Matip. Um, they could slide Joe Gomez in there, of course, but we'll see in their next game against Wolves. But, yeah, is this alarming to you? Is there... I mean, Jurgen Klopp has, I think I heard him, I read that he said there was no money left to improve the midfield because of the money spent on Nunes and Gakpo. Yeah, this is alarming for sure. Uh, We know things are not great right now at Liverpool. Things haven't been good since the very beginning of the season. If you remember uh, after preseason, Klopp said this team is not ready. Uh, Things are not right. And he's been totally right. Uh, it's just, it's it's not been good for Liverpool whatsoever. The Gakpo deal was, I don't know. I mean, I think it's good business. Chelsea were in, United were in. I think Arsenal were the only team that, that you know, made an inquiry and then didn't really follow up. Gakpo is a good player, but he hasn't looked good for them so far. Mo Salah does not look good this year. They're certainly missing Mane, but I think most of it comes down to their extremely uh, aged midfield. They just don't have anything going on there. Fabinho has been extremely average. Thiago not been great. Milner and Henderson both 500 years old. Uh, You would have expected them to make some sort of signing to shore up the midfield, whether it be defensively in a box-to-box role or even somebody that can go forward, and they just didn't do that. So the Reese Williams uh, end of loan at Blackpool, he comes back in, but he's a center back, and I think you know this Liverpool defense hasn't been great this year, but when you look at it, they're probably in the best shape out of everybody on the team because even without Van Dyke, at least those guys come and play. Um, their attack has been really poor. Gakpo's not been good. Nunez not been good. And then you have the midfield, which is just completely useless. So I would have expected them to bring in, um, you know, maybe another midfielder. But after Klopp made the Gakpo move, he did say, this is it. We're not going to make any more, any more moves this transfer window. Uh, and I think come the end of the season, that's, you know, it's going to hurt them. I think it's, I'm looking at the full year of moves and, Mane was valued at sixty million, and they only sold him to Bayern for thirty-two. I mean, that's and that, that's crazy because they brought in Gakpo for ten million more, and you can see the value and difference. I mean, they should have sold Mane for at least like seventy. Yeah, I know. He he would have been worth a hundred mil the way he played in this team. Yeah, that's right. It's true. He meant the world to these guys, and now without him, I mean, obviously the midfield is the major issue we're hitting on, but Mo Salah has no help up front right now. I know. It's just him. And he you can tell, like, when he has to work, when he's got to do more of the work and not just focus on being creative and finishing, it's so hard because he's such a good player, but the 
he's got two really young players there now alongside him. Like, there's no Jota. He's been injured all season. I think bringing him in or even Firmino, when you've seen Firmino play, when you've seen Jota play, Liverpool are better. And it's because those guys know what to do. I think Nunez is, is a complete liability. I mean, we I, I'm on record with that. And then Gakpo, it's going to take him time. So <sighs> Liverpool are not in a good spot right now, dude. It, they just really aren't. Losing Mane was was such an issue because he was able to provide so much spark and his positioning is so good. And now without him, you have to get Gakpo to learn the entire system. You have to have Nunez, who I just don't think is a good finisher whatsoever. And then Salah's got to, you know, all of the weight falls on him. And it's it's really hard to to live up to those expectations when you've had seasons like he has in the past three years. So, yeah, I don't know. They, they needed yeah. to do more here for sure. There's no question about that. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's move on to Manchester City. Pretty quiet for them as well. Uh, outside of the Jaconcello thing, which we'll get to. Maximo Peron coming in from Velez Sarsfield for 11 mil, a 20-year-old Argentinian midfielder. This team is becoming more and more Argentinian by the day. Uh, Diego Rosa, a 20-year-old Brazilian central midfielder coming in from Vicela. Uh, they play in the Portuguese first division. And then Nahuel Bustos, a 24-year-old Argentinian center forward, coming in from Sao Paulo on loan as well. Out, Diego Rosa, right back out to EC Bahia, and uh, Nahuel Bustos, right back out to CA Taleras. So both of those guys going to be playing in South America still. Um, but the big the big deal here is Jao Cancelo, who at points I think has been the best fullback in the world, uh, in my opinion, can play all over the pitch. He's unbelievable. He's just like Zinchenko. He can play in the center. He can play left back. He can play right back. Um, and like he he just left. He he's he's at Bayern now, which he's going to be unreal at Bayern. I have no question about it. It's less competition, in my opinion, and he's a player of immense quality. His market value is about seventy mil, and Pep just lets him walk out the door, and. We talked about this last week. Pep is a manager who has always said, if you are not happy, then you have every right to go. You have every right to ask for a loan or a transfer. If you're not happy with the way things are, please feel free. He's got an open door policy, and that's that's what Cancelo did. Um, they were not on on great terms, and it seems to me that you know, he asked Pep for a loan, and Pep said, okay, that's that's fine. Uh, so he's at Bayern now. He's going to be right into their first team, in my opinion. Uh, I, I hope so, because I don't want to see his career wasted. Uh, but, I mean, really crazy stuff. Uh, we woke up, and, and it had gone through. It was fucking crazy. Yeah, this is the wildest export from the league, definitely. There's a 70 million euro uh, buyout clause to the loan. Uh, if Bayern wants to exercise that in the contract come the end of the year. But I believe Maserari is injured right now, so there's a vacancy there. And, I mean, Bayern and themselves are struggling in the league. They only have a one-point lead on the title. So they're struggling going forward right now. But Kinsella is definitely a difference maker. And we could see this coming, if you want to think about it, hindsight's twenty twenty. But when we started seeing 18-year-old Rico Lewis getting played more and more and more in this team, it 
raised our eyebrows a bit and we were wondering why wasn't Cancelo playing and there's probably a story behind that with that we'll never know but I mean like you mentioned Pep's all about the team and he says no player is above the team and we'll have to see if that ever happens with Holland what he does but um still this is an integral guy to your team he's played massive roles the past two three seasons he's been here and winning titles and it's wild but they will live on yeah that's true uh okay bring us into the next <clears throat> yep yep red side of manchester now we go to man united the the one x the one guy they brought in here uh well they brought in three but the loan fee here three million euros coming from burnley i believe until the rest of the year Valvec horse we've already seen him playing a few games grabbed a goal um has been a massive statue or has a big stature in this lineup and as a person to whip balls into, but he doesn't do too much other than that. He's got a decent work rate on him. Uh, they bring in Jack Butlin as the backup goalie there because uh, Dubrovka went back to Newcastle, so he comes in for the rest of the season from Palace. And then the deadline move based on Christian Eriksen getting injured in their FA Cup game, he's out until April or May, so they're pretty much the remainder of the season. So they bring in Marcel Sabitzer, who I know in the past you've been a fan of at his days with Leipzig, and and uh, I think he played with Salzburg before that or something. But he is a creative midfielder, 28-year-old Austrian, valued at 20 mil. He'll be here from Bayern until the rest of the season. So he's a guy that is similar to how Eriksen plays in a more advanced 10 role, but we've seen that uh, Ten Hag can... Convert Ericsson into an eight. Maybe Sabitzer can do the same. Uh, I didn't think they would get anybody in, so we would have to see more McTominay, but it seems like he's going to roll the dice on another guy similar to this. Uh, outgoings, Chuanzebe goes out alone to Stoke for the rest of the year. I already mentioned Dubrovka left to go back to Newcastle. And, of course, Ronaldo leaves. He goes to Saudi League to finish out his career. So... What are you thinking about the Sabitzer move? I love it. You know I've always been a Sabitzer guy. You mentioned that. I really, really, really like him. Pardon the voice crack there. My voice, it's going to be gone by the end of this episode. There's no doubt about it. Um, (laughs) Holy fuck, it's crazy. Yeah, I think that's a great move. I mean, he is an extremely talented midfielder. He was great at Leipzig. He's going to be great at United. Uh, he can fill that role that Fred and McTominay play in. You know, I'm thinking of what they've done with uh, Erickson, who is naturally an attacking midfielder. They even play him back there in the pivot. He can, Sebetzer can totally do that, and they're going to be without Erickson now. So that's a really good move. Um, Butland and, and Weghorst don't necessarily move the needle for me, but Weghorst is getting regular time at this point, which is yeah. insane. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, getting Ronaldo off the books, uh, very, 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 very important. Um, getting Sabitzer in, that's good. They needed to shore up to midfield and, you know, I I guess Weghorst, if you're going to get, uh, somebody to just have up there and they only got him on loan for three mil, like it's not that big a deal. Um, this is a decent window for United. I would have liked to see them do more, but with Casemiro doing, you know, everything that Casemiro is doing and Rashford performing and Elanga being all right, uh, the only thing you would have probably looked for them to do would be sign uh, another winger maybe to um, shore up that position because Anthony, I, I think that experiment is already almost over. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, 
I like this, you know, I really do like Sabitzer in. I think I have an answer potentially for that, that um, issue that you have for a winger. Yeah. Mason Greenwood. Oh, I saw all, it. All of his charges have I, been dropped. I saw that. Is our Manchester United willing to bring him nah, back? Nah, nah, there's, there's no way, man. I can't. On his day, we've seen him prove oh, he's, he's good. a great scorer. He's somebody that you can rely on, especially with Martial being injury-prone. And we know Veghorst isn't the most agile guy. Greenwood can answer a lot of questions for them. But there's a the whole backlash and Me Too type of thing. And I mean, that... I, I think it's pretty... It, it's it, I'm fairly certain he's been doing a bit of rape, no? I mean, it's no different than Partey. I'm I'm not saying it's not any different. I'm not. I'm just. We've you know. seen clubs put the game above moral stances. We've seen Suarez. Yeah. We see the Partey stuff. Ronaldo John, confirmed. John Ronaldo. We know John Terry off the field stealing teammates' wives. I mean, there's been much crazier, maybe not crazier, but things on that level that clubs have put to the side for the money side and the, the game overall to finish as high as possible so i wouldn't put it out of the question but still i think we know sancho's come back he played in the the league cup game yesterday they made it to the final they'll be playing newcastle in the league cup final newcastle's first uh final since 1999 i believe so they it'll be their first piece of silverware since 1954 but yeah that's that was something i wanted to bring up potentially but that's a can of worms in itself yeah we might have to have a uh a rape rape consideration episode we'll talk Uh-oh. about about we'll make, our, and... we'll make our best 11 of rapists <laughs> there's there's many i fear uh okay newcastle united anthony gordon coming in from everton that 46 million pound not pound euro fee we saw that Harrison Ashby coming in right back from West Ham's U21. They pay 3.4 for him. Garang Kual, an Australian right winger coming in from Central Coast Mariners. Uh, they bring in Maddie Longstaff <clears throat> back on loan. Uh, Dubrovka as well. So Shelby, John Joe Shelby, gone. He's done, though. He's at Nottingham yep. Forest now, which is crazy. Um, Qual goes back out to Heart of Midland. Chris Wood goes out to Nottingham Forest, and then we we saw that already. And then Carl Darlow, uh, out to Hull City. Pretty quiet window for them, but Newcastle are just so sorted right now. They they really anyhow really knows who he wants to be in the first team. Uh, there's not much change week to week in that starting lineup. And I think Anthony Gordon is a good signing, but I don't know if he's going to wind up being worth the near 50 euro, 50 mil euro that they paid for him. Considering the the prices other guys are going for, that seems like a small investment. We know Newcastle is heavily backed by the country of Saudi Arabia, so that is a a, a drop in the in a massive well in itself. But the similar to Chelsea, they brought in players all under the age of 21 there all guys for development in the future that Ashby right back from West Ham is somebody that can be molded by Kieran Trippier, which is a great, great mentor to have. Um, that youngster in uh, Kiel, you mentioned one for the future potentially, but their lineups already set. They're in a great position in the table above anybody's expectations come the beginning of the year. I think you have them as high as finishing sixth, which is a, a statement of trust in itself, but yeah, they 
similar to how Fulham's quiet window was, they didn't have to do too much, really, just strengthen their bench, it seems like. So the the loss of John Joe is really sad. Uh, is hopefully, it? I think so. I, I, like, I like watching games he's when club, he's in there. He's a club legend. Of course. He's been there since, I think, 2016 or 17. Yeah. Uh, we saw him in his prime back when he played for Swansea. Um, an absolute ledge, but yeah, hopefully he gets used more with Forrest with the 30 other guys they brought in, so we'll see there, but yeah, I mean, I think we can agree Newcastle didn't really have to do too much. Yeah. All um, right. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Nottingham Forest, as we mentioned, we know John Joe went there. Um, they also brought in a, they brought in a handful of Brazilians this window, three of them in total. Danilo, center mid from Palmares, the biggest move, 20 million euros. They bring in Felipe, who five, six years ago used to be a decent card on Ultimate Team. He's 33, comes in from Atletico Madrid. Gustavo Scarpa, another midfielder from Palmares, got him on a free. Uh, John Joe and Chris Wood coming from Newcastle. Biggest move that nobody saw coming, Kaylor Navas, 36-year-old goalkeeper from PSG. He comes in on loan for the remainder of the year. We see that that Dean Henderson is out for at least a month. So he goes straight into the team. He has not played any club football in six months. Um, all the other guys just coming back from loan, and nobody really of note that left. But what do you think of this move for Navas? I don't know. Now I get my 88-rated Keeler Navas fodder from, from Nottingham Forest. Nottingham that's the, Forest. That's the only difference. That's literally the only difference. Prem fodder. There you go. I have pulled Keeler Navas 500 times this year, and it is going to be crazy to see a Nottingham Forest 88-rated GK come out of the pack, right? But Wow. Um, it's crazy, man. That's a, that's a nutty one, but I don't, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's a bad move for Nottingham Forest. Um, multiple champions league winner done great yeah. at the international level it's just interesting that's all i i find it to be very strange i can't believe that he's still you know kind of like rotting on that psg bench he is kind of old 36 is is old even for a keeper um but yeah that's like a majority of their move here outside of the danilo uh signing from palmaris which is a good signing we should say but uh yeah, weird. Nottingham Forest just like this is a this is kind of like Chelsea light, right? They just make a fuck ton of signings and see who's good. Absolutely, they they've spent a total of one hundred eighty four million euros for a team that just got promoted. They have spent every bit of that TV money just to stay up this year. They really need to stay up for those fans because we mentioned at the beginning of the year this is the first time back in the league since the late nineties. So. They're doing everything they can, and if they go down, we probably won't see them for another two decades. Agreed. Even though they've got two Champions League trophies. I've got two, two more than Arsenal. Imagine that. <clears throat> All right. Southampton up next. They did a bit of business here. Uh, Kamaldin Suleimana, a Ghanaian left winger coming in from Rennes for $25 million. Paul Onwaku, a Nigerian center forward, uh, age 28, coming in from Genk. Genk cost me some money yesterday, but um, notably a very, very good club in terms of development. Carlos Alcaraz, 
Um, a 20-year-old Argentinian central midfielder coming in from racing in Argentina. Uh, this is not the Carlos Alcaraz who won the U.S. Open of tennis. This is the 20-year-old midfielder. He is very good. I've seen uh, plenty of tape on him. They also bring in Mislav Orsic. Uh, they bought him from Dinamo Zagreb. Orsic, a you know, a highly touted player for years and years, and then a fall off. He's been at Zagreb for as long as I can remember. He is thirty now. I think this is good business. He's rated at about ten mil. They bring him in for six. James Bree comes in from Luton. Then N Lundudalu, that's a tough one. Uh, comes in from Cheltenham, and then Jan Badnerick, of course, coming in. Back in uh, from Aston Villa. They loaned uh, Enelundulu back out to Bolton. But a active window for them. They spent about 65 mil. And they really had to because they're in a tough spot right now in the league. And they bring in some some dynamic attacking players. I think Alcaraz is going to be really good. He'll slot right in. Orsic is a great uh, player you can bring off the bench. And then that Sulemana guy, I would imagine we'll start to see him coming in from, you know, he came in from Rennes. They're a decent club. Uh, we'll see him start to break into the first team here, you know, pretty quickly, I would imagine. Yeah, if there's one thing we can get behind when you bring players in it is pace. And Sulemana is considered to be the fastest player to come into this league right now. He might be faster than Mudrick, they're saying. He's that fast. So getting players in behind for Southampton is going to be major, especially because they play a lot of counterattack ball. Uh, Ward Prowse and those type of players can ping balls in behind. And this guy is a burner. The, they stole him from Everton. This is one of those players that if Everton got would have been crazy good. But it helps Southampton's case to stay in the league. So we'll see if Nathan Jones can figure uh, how to put these guys in the puzzle correctly. But I thought they brought in a lot of attacking depth. And that is something that they've heavily needed. So... Good on Southampton. Good window. Spent a reasonable amount of money for them, 60 mil around that, but definitely helps their case to stay up, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> and then we have Tottenham up next. This was a weird one. This was a really, really weird one. Uh, they bring in Pedro Porro on loan from Sporting. Good signing. He's a right back. Can play wing back as well. They bring in Danjuma. That was uh, hijacked. They got him on loan, and then Alfie Whiteman, a keeper from Diego Force, uh, they bring him in as well. Out, however, Matt Doherty, who I think has been one of the better defenders for them this year. They terminated his contract. Yeah. yeah. They terminated his contract. They couldn't keep him on the books at Letty pick him up for free. This is the same thing that happened with Trippier. It's, I think they had to pay for him, but like, this is crazy to me. I don't understand it. Doherty was just finally starting to play well for them. He's been good. He's better than Emerson, in my opinion. And then he's just gone. And then Brian Gill, they, they loan him out to Sevilla. And Jed Spence, they loan him out as well. Poor Jed Spence is never going to get a fucking chance in this first team. This was bad. This was a bad window for Tottenham. Yeah, really confusing. We know that. Right wing back role has been a carousel. Uh, they bring in Pedro Porro, who's one of the highly highest rated young wing backs in the in the world right now. I think the loan is decent. They were trying to get him for like around forty mil on a permanent, but they'll get him for the rest of the season there. 
Uh, now it's just him and Emerson out there with with Spence and Doherty gone. But Doherty was a guy that Nuno Nuno brought in, previous manager. So he was never going to stick long term. Uh, and then Jed Spence, who they brought in at the beginning of the year, you would have thought he would have gotten more and more minutes. He had a great year last year on loan with Forrest, getting them promoted to the Prem. And it's really sad to see for him. So hopefully he can get some good minutes in in Ren for the rest of the season. But yeah, it was really weird. Dan Juma is a guy that adds depth to their attack when Kulisevsky and Richarlson are hurt, which they have been for a majority of the year. Uh, we, we already have known that Lucas Mora has been on the outs of this squad for this whole season with his minutes. So hopefully Dan Juma can be involved at all to help get, get Sun going because Harry Kane is carrying everybody on his back, as he always is. Yeah. <clears throat> West Ham up next. Quiet, bringing in Danny Ings uh, from Aston Villa for 12 mil. Luis Zhao coming in uh, from, <coughs> excuse me, Sao Paulo as well. That's a free. They bring him, and he's only 20 center back. Craig Dawson uh, sold him to Wolves. They loan Randolph out to Bournemouth, and then Connor Coventry, an Irish defensive midfielder aged 22, loan him out to Rotherham. Uh, they had to do more here, right? Don't you think? At the beginning of the year, their striker position only consisted of Mikel Antonio. Now they have Antonio, Skamaka, and Ings. And Ings is heavily injury-prone. Skamaka can't get things going. He's a bit injured, and we know Antonio's hamstring is due any minute to snap. So I don't think they really improved that position at all. It tells in the table. They've only scored 17 goals. Defensively, they're all right, but like I mentioned, they just can't get anything attacking going. And for their outgoings, I think Craig Dawson is a, a reasonable loss. He's been a solid defender for them the past season or two they've been here, or he's been with the club. He goes to a Wolves team that fits his his style of play perfectly. Uh, an absolute brute, just absolutely crushes people in tackles. So they're going all in with the rest of their players. But yeah, it was really underwhelming. Uh, lucky to keep Declan Rice. There was zero talks, really. I heard of him leaving at all. It's all in on him leaving in the summer. So they're going to have to do with what they have here, similar to how Everton's window was, in my opinion. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> all right. You want to hit Wolves for us? This is the last one. Yep, they they had more business done. Zhao Gomez being the biggest one. Another Brazilian midfielder coming in. I think that's like the eighth or ninth guy coming in from Brazil. He comes from Falenco, yeah, around 19 million euros. They bring in Mario Lamina from Nice, who previously played for Fulham and I think Southampton for on a loan bit. So he's proven in the Prem. Uh, Pablo Zarabia from PSG for five mil. Craig Dawson, we mentioned, they bring in Daniel Bentley for the cheapest move, 57K from Bristol City, 29-year-old goalkeeper. We've already seen Mateus Cunha. They bring him on loan from Atletico, central forward from Brazil. He's done okay. Uh, and then guys that came back from loan in Huever, Fabio Silva, Molden, and Capanna. All those guys left or were loaned out again. One of the surprising ones that left is Gonzalo Guedes, a guy that they brought in the summer for a pretty decent fee. He goes out on loan. Um, that is a surprising one. Yeah, they they paid thirty three million euros from him from Valencia, and now he's out on loan already. I mean, we know Wolves is just like when we were talking about West Ham; they've struggled attacking, but defensively they've been all right. I mean, 
it, they're just they're they're trying to buy any attacking player and hopefully it works. Yeah, I mean this is a this is another one where they just buy a bunch of people and hope that it works out. Sarabia is a bad signing in my opinion. They yeah. only paid five mil, but like he's slow as fuck. He's not going to be able to play right wing for them. Um, uh, my question is, why, why does Adama just not play? Like, yeah, it doesn't seem like his profile and his style is any liking to any manager. I think Wolves they've had Nuno, then they have. Um, Lopetegui before that, um, the previous manager, uh, yeah, Bernard Lodge didn't like him either. So, yeah, it's hard to find him in any type of team. I think maybe his technical ability is so bad that nobody likes him. Yeah, it is bad. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's we can even see that. So that's saying something. But if you can build a team specifically that, or not even a team, but if you could just give him simple instructions and to do one or two things, I mean, just get in behind, earn fouls. And just set guys up. I think he can do a reasonable job there. But I guess with the style that these managers want to play, it's too much for him to handle in their eyes. So that's why we're seeing a lot of these Brazilian guys come in that are great on the ball, can progress the game, and are just technically better than most. So we'll see if this is enough for them to get out of that relegation zone. There's seven teams in this area that all spent around the same amount of money. They only spent $40 million here, so one of the lower ends, one one of the lower spending teams. But, yeah, we they still have Jimenez, who's still trying to get back. I think Diego Carlos, or Diego Costa is done seeing the pitch. I think the time that they needed him has passed. So we'll see if these these agile players can help them. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure in the long run. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Uh, that's everything in terms of transfer recap. We're going to quickly run through our predictions for the week. Um, match day 22 of 38. And then there is a makeup game, Manchester United versus Leeds. Are we including that in our prediction this week? I was thinking we can record Tuesday because there's the next few weeks, there's like a Wednesday, Thursday okay. type deal. And yeah. I don't think we want to project some like eight days in advance okay. just to give us a little more time I, so yeah we'll, we'll cut it off on sunday's games all right that sounds good uh okay tomorrow at 3 p.m chelsea take on fulham who you got here i'm i'm drinking the kool-aid heavily i'm going with chelsea here i'm sure enzo fernandez will be instantly involved mudrick potentially more minutes maybe we see muda kelly no, this is Jao Felix's last game he'll miss, so I'm sure Havertz will be up there. And I'm really invested in this project. I think this is a big game. We know Fulham are on two straight defeats to top teams, so they're looking hungry to get a double over us this year, which I don't know how long that's been since they did a double on us in the Prem, but I'm taking Chelsea's accent on Chelsea. Yeah, I'm going to take a draw on this one. Uh, could take a minute for the signings to... Uh, make an impact. I can certainly see Chelsea scoring some goals here, but I can also see Fulham doing the same. So I'll take a, a, a draw. I think it could be one one or two two. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. This is a tough game to pick, but I I do think it's gonna be a tight contest. Uh, okay, Everton versus Arsenal up next. Sean Dyche now at the helm for Everton, trying to guide them uh, out of the rocky waters and to safety. I don't think this is going to be the game where he makes that impact. I'll take Arsenal to win this one in a rout. Yeah, they're playing at home. Um, there's going to be extreme amount of pressure at home here for Everton. They've done worse at home, I think, this season. So I'm going to take Arsenal as well, and so is Zach. 
Okay. Uh, Brighton versus Bournemouth up, up next. Brighton <clears throat> going to be without Caicedo, I would imagine. But they're still facing Bournemouth, who are all the way at the bottom of the table. Who do you have here? I will be taking Brighton and so will Zach. I think that Bournemouth have had good in the attack. I think the, they're still going to have those issues in the back. So I think it's going to be tough for them to hold Matoma. I just think first player that comes to my mind for Brighton is Matoma, just how well he's playing right now. Yeah, I'll take Brighton as well. I think this one's a route. Uh, okay, Manchester United versus Crystal Palace up next. I'm curious to see if we see Sabitzer in here immediately. I don't think they really have a choice because uh, Erickson's injured, but, you know, I, I am curious. I'll take United in this one. I think they can win 1-0 uh, or 2-1. Palace could definitely nick a goal, but I do think United win this game. Well, uh, Wolf Zaha's most likely going to be out of this game. He picked up that issue in the previous game against United, so or sorry, in the match against Newcastle. So it's a hamstring issue. It's nothing they want to rush him back. I think that's going to be a big impact on them going forward. We've already seen that they can stick this out in a late draw, but I don't know if they can replicate it right away with, with how United's playing lately. So I'm going to take United and so is Zach. Okay. Uh, Brentford versus Southampton up next. Ooh, what do you got here? I have to go with Brentford. I think defensively, they're just too strong. We already talked about all the pace that Southampton have added. I think things are going, are changing for them in a positive manner. Um, but Kyle Walker-Peters did get taken off in their second leg of Carabao Cup against Newcastle. So that's a big issue for them. He's a big guy going forward out that wingback role. So I think that's going to impact them a little bit. Brentford haven't been playing the best of late, but I think they could squeeze something out here. Okay. Um, I'll take Brentford as well. I think this fixture's gotten me before, but I do think that Brentford can win this game. Okay. Up next, Wolves versus Liverpool. Uh, I really don't want to take Liverpool at all, but I'll probably wind up doing it. Wolves made some signings. Uh, they've been in better shape as of late, but they are still in the drop zone. So uh, this could be a weird one, but I will take Liverpool despite their bad form. Liverpool are the worst team, I think, this year when it comes to playing on the road. They've earned on the road, they are 2-2-5. Two, two, and five. And at home, they are 6-3-1. They've conceded. They've scored 23 goals and 9 at home, and they have scored 11 on the road and 16 given up. Um, I think that carries over here. I think it's a draw. I think I'm, I'm more positive on Wolves going forward here than I am with Liverpool bouncing something back. I think Wolves can dominate the midfield here with Nunes, uh, Moutinho, and Lamina in there, potentially. And Zach's going to agree with you there. He's going to go with Liverpool. Okay. <clears throat> Up next, Aston Villa versus Leicester City. This is a battle in the basement. Who you got here? I have a draw. Um, yeah. These two teams are both mid-table in my mind. I think that Leicester up front, Jamie Vardy is questionable, but we will probably see Daka Barnes, and I would like to see Tete get a start in there out on the right. They're going to be without Ndidi and Samari, who are their primary two DM players, so we're going to probably see 
Tillemans in a deeper role with Mendy, maybe, or Kieran Drewsbury Hall, which I don't think is the most, uh, or is not the strongest bunch, but I think this could be a, a, do- a solid battle in like a 1 1 kind of thing. Yeah. I'll take a draw as well. I, I totally agree with your uh, analysis on that one. I just, I don't know if either of these teams have what it takes to edge right now, and I, I think a draw is a great pick. Yeah, Zach's uh, gonna take Zach's gonna take Villa straight up here. Interesting. Okay, up next, Newcastle versus West Ham. This one's fairly straightforward for me. I am curious to see if we see Anthony Gordon right into the starting lineup. I'm assuming no, uh, but I do think Newcastle just have such a better side right now. Take the under in this game. West Ham can't score. Newcastle typically only win by a margin of one or two, uh, but I'll take Newcastle in this one. I think they they do win. Major person, major person, major player out for Newcastle. Bruno Guimaraes is suspended for the next handful of games. He picked up a straight red in that second leg League Cup game against Southampton. It was a, it was an ugly challenge. So he's going to be out for the remainder of the month. That's a massive hole. They lost Shelby. So we're going to see Sean Longstaff get major minutes in this team with Joe Willock and. They could slide Joe Wellington back into there, but that's a massive hole to have in this team. So I think West Ham could take advantage of that potentially to get something over them, but it's really hard to go against that back five in Newcastle. They're the best in the league this year, and uh, Zach and I are both taking Newcastle as well. Yeah, okay. And then we have Nottingham Forest versus Leeds. Good Lord. Uh, I'm taking Leeds, dude. I think Weston plays. I think I think they get a win. Yeah, this is the, I think out of all the games, this is the scariest one for me because Nottingham Forest at home are very good and Leeds on the road are horrendous. They've only picked up one win on the road this year out of nine games. They've conceded a lot of goals as well. Um, The Forest fans are a a 12th man type of deal when it comes to Forest morale and momentum at home. Um, but if there's any team that can upset a, um, a lower team on the road, I think it's Leeds. So I'm going to, just like the Chelsea game, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid here. I think McKinney starts. Hopefully Adams is fit to play and we get that American trio in the middle to to earn a result for Leeds. So Zach and I are taking Leeds with you. Okay, cool. And then our final match of the week, Tottenham versus Man City, a replay of last uh, two weeks ago maybe. Um this is a weird one because Tottenham went up 2-0 last time and then lost 4-2. I think we see the same story. I just don't think Tottenham have what it takes right now, and I think City win this game, even with the, the loss of Kinsella. Even in that game in itself, that 2-0 lead was kind of fraudulent. There were two massive mistakes from City in the back, and I don't think they replicate that. Maybe one of them, but still, with the, the rest they've had and Holland ready to go again for... Potentially another hat trick, who knows, but um, this is definitely a tasty matchup to end the week. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> okay, uh, that's everything, right? Yep, that's it for this week. That's everything. Uh, appreciate Thank you guys. You. Oh, so, yeah, appreciate you guys listening uh, with the transfers. The, those, these types of episodes always go pretty long with us getting into the nitty gritty and, and dissecting each player and how they can affect the team going back into a regular format now with the games coming back should be interesting we'll see if arsenal can continue their run we'll see if chelsea can get some results going with the the toy box of players that graham potter can have to put out there and 
And uh, going forward, it's exciting to see the league get into the open end or the get into that ending bit of the year where things matter and Champions League's coming back to European ball. Yeah, for sure. All right, like Matt said, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod. Excuse me, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. <clears throat> you can also find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care.